Welcome to Diverse, the podcast of the Society of Women Engineers. SWE supports the advancement of women in engineering and technology. You can find all of our podcasts on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and SWE's blog altogether at altogether.swe.org. Looking for more information and data on women in engineering? Head over to research.swe.org and review the groundbreaking research that SWE has been conducting. SWE's research efforts include reporting on women of color in engineering and how community colleges may play a role in getting more women to graduate with engineering degrees. You can also check out the annual SWE Literature Review in SWE Magazine's State of Women in Engineering issue. Hi, I'm Heather Doty, FY21 President of the Society of Women Engineers. Welcome to SWE's Diverse Podcast Series. Please remember to add this podcast to your iTunes and like or follow us on social media. Visit SWE.org for more details. I'm joined today by Alessandra Costa, Vice President of Field Engineering at Cadence Design Systems. Alessandra started her career in Italy as a product application engineer. She jumped on the opportunity to move to the U.S. in 2000 when she relocated to join Cadence R&D in San Jose, California. It was supposed to be a couple of years stint, but ended up being a life choice as Alessandra met her future husband while she was in the process of moving. Alessandra holds an MSEE and a PhD in microelectronics from Università de Genova. Thanks for joining us today, Alessandra. I'm very happy to be here. What initially sparked or inspired your interest in STEM? Well, my grandfather was sort of an inventor, and uh, I remember was uh, when I was little, uh, seeing a lot of uh, weird uh, objects uh, in the house, uh, and because he was uh, he was producing basically kits uh, to put together radios, and so what I was seeing were valves uh, actually at that time, and then. Uh, um, and then my father was a, an electrical engineer, and he was one of the first evangelists uh, of uh, automation for inventory, uh, inventory management uh, in uh, medium-sized companies uh, in Italy. And some of the sort of designer brands uh, were his customers. Uh, I was uh, always uh, sort of intrigued by the idea of intelligent machines, because if we translate uh, literally from Italians, uh, uh, computers were called uh, electronic brains. And, uh, and then on top of that, uh, I would say that, you know, kind of engineering was, uh, uh, electrical engineering was sort of a challenge. And so I fit uh, right in. That's awesome. Can you walk us through your academic and professional accomplishments? Um, I already mentioned where you went to school, but how did your studies influence your career path? So I did all my studies in Italy, as you were mentioning before, uh, the, the Università di Genova. And uh, I have to say, at the beginning, was a little bit uh, rough, uh, um, mainly because uh, at that time, uh, there was no cap uh, in the number of people uh, who could attend uh, um, the courses, uh, and so classes were really overflowing. And so it was up to the teachers, up to the professors, uh, actually to make the curriculum challenging enough uh, to prune uh, the people who were attending. And so it wasn't too much fun. Uh, just to give you an example, in the morning, uh, we had to line up outside uh, of the building uh, where my college was uh, just to ensure to get uh, um, 
kind of a nice seat and not a seat in the back. Um, and uh, also, you know, I would say teachers didn't have too much time uh, for students. Uh, and uh, and so it was this little bit of a culture, uh, make it uh, or break it. Uh, and it felt kind of lonely at times. Uh, and uh, I would say those were the years where I built uh, my resilience uh, and uh, that carried me through life. And then uh, um, after I graduated uh, and I got my master, I had the opportunity to continue with a PhD in the same college. Uh, and things were definitely better than, uh, than when I was in during my master. And I also had the opportunity to be a teaching assistant. Uh, and at first it was kind of weird to find myself uh, in a classroom uh, full of uh, people who are just uh, maybe one or a couple of years younger than me. But uh, what what I decided to do was really to remember uh, the years before and uh, everything that I didn't like uh, in the way uh, professors uh, were teaching uh, or uh, not talking to students, uh, I was determined to change. Uh, and uh, to make it better like, uh, for, for the students that I was dealing with. Uh, and that's something, if I look back uh, at that time, I have to say that's something that has uh, remained uh, as a guiding principle is in, uh, even when I became a manager. So those were the years of uh, college. And then uh, at the end, uh, I, I really wanted uh, uh, have sort of a real job. Uh, and so I started working as I was uh, finishing uh, my PhD. I thought it was a temporary job uh, a couple of years again uh, uh, type of thing. And it was a company in what is called the EDA space. The EDA stands for uh, Electronic Design Automation. And uh, shortly after that, uh, after a couple of more years, uh, I joined uh, Cadence, which is also my current employer. And that was uh, at the time the biggest uh, uh, company uh, in the computational uh, software space. And they had an office in Milano, and then uh, there is where I started. Uh, unfortunately, the landscape for high tech in Italy wasn't particularly rich. And so, I started considering other options, uh, uh, and it was at that time uh, that I had the opportunity to move to the U.S. Uh, to join uh, Cadence uh, R&D in San Jose. Uh, I, I was moving by myself, uh, so no family. I knew a few people in the U.S. Uh, the perspective was electrifying and terrifying at the same time. But then uh, I decided to take the risk uh, and uh, I moved in uh, February of 2000. Uh, what I didn't know is that there were more surprises around the corner because uh, as I was moving, I met my husband, uh, Michael, and uh, he's a real estate agent and was a real estate agent then. And he was supposed to help me finding uh, a house. and uh, and. We were married less than one year later, and in 2003, we had uh, our daughter, Bianca. 
And so what was uh, supposed to be a brief career here in the United States uh, became uh, a life choice. Yeah, it sounds like uh, that was probably not the way you intended to find a house, but it all worked out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think that wasn't the initial plan for my husband. <laughs> he was planning to sell a house to me. <laughs> Things to a different turn, yes. Yeah. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about what Cadence does? So I mentioned uh, EDA, Electronic Design uh, Automation. Uh, and in a nutshell, uh, it's, uh, first of all, it's a subset uh, of a computational uh, software. And what we do, we produce software that helps uh, um, semiconductor companies uh, to design their devices. If you look around uh, and you see uh, an electronic device, uh, very high chances are that it was uh, designed uh, using our software, although there is no label uh, saying cadence. And, uh, and so we help uh, companies uh, uh, to design any electronic gadget, uh, but also uh, servers. Uh, and so we support company from consumer to automotive, to industrial, to healthcare, uh, just about uh, uh, everybody. And um, more recently, uh, more recently, we um, are moving uh, uh, and expanding as our sphere of influence uh, in uh, system design, and uh, we are introducing intelligence uh, uh, into the process using machine learning uh, and AI. But the bottom line is, uh, Cadence was used to you to design uh, anything uh, that you see around you that has uh, an electronic uh, component. Can you tell us about your professional goals as vice president, and what changes would you like to see happen over the course of your time with Cadence? Uh, I have to say that uh, Cadence uh, was very good to me. In fact, I've been with Cadence uh, for uh, most of my career. And especially living in Silicon Valley, I'm based uh, near San Jose. That's kind of an unusual uh, choice uh, because uh, you know there are a lot of people changing jobs uh, every few years. Uh, and in my case, I, I remained with Cadence because I had a lot of opportunity to change what I was doing. I would I zigzagged uh, quite a bit between uh, R and D and uh, the field. The field is where I am right now. It's uh, the sales uh, organization. And, and so that is what kept me in Cadence. Uh, and this is one of the things I like uh, in Cadence. If I look at you know, my goals uh, currently as a manager of a fairly large organization, I have over 500 people as part of my organization. My goals have not changed very much from when I was a teaching assistant at the University of Genova. Uh, I, I'm really a strong believer in giving people uh, an opportunity to thrive. I think, uh, you know, uh, from a selfless standpoint uh, is uh, the morally the right thing to do. And from a selfish standpoint, I think it's also great uh, for business. Uh, if you think uh, like my one of my role model is uh, Mark Benioff. Uh, uh, it's like somebody who completely bought into the success uh, and professional growth uh, of his employees. Uh, and, uh, and he 
sees the benefits uh, of uh, his approach. I know it might sound corny, but I truly enjoy people seeing people uh, thrive and reaching the highest uh, uh, potential. And I think there is a strong business case uh, for happy employees. And when I accepted this position, uh, you know, as part of the typical 30, 60, 90 days uh, plan, uh, I also made sure to include a few slides uh, about my philosophy when it comes to employees, because I wanted to make sure that I had an alignment uh, with my my new manager. The reason why uh, it's so important uh, um, for for me to motivate and make sure that people reach their higher potential, because if you look at my organization, almost everybody is an engineer, and uh, a lot of people uh, old. PhDs. And in addition to being technically deep, uh, they also um, need to understand uh, business and they need also to be able to interface with customers because at the end of the day, they people in my organization uh, work with customers uh, side by side uh, to deliver their products right on time. And so you it's a deep technical skills. Uh, business sense, uh, interpersonal skills, uh, uh, they need to understand uh, integrated uh, devices design, uh, but they deal with software. So it's a set of uh, skills uh, so wide uh, and uh, so rich uh, that is not so easy to find uh, and and even to, to teach. So having a high level of attrition would be really a disaster. And so um, you know, I look at uh, the application engineers in my team as our uh, capital, and, uh, and so it's very retention is very important, uh, and giving them the opportunity to thrive is very important. Uh, one more thing I want to add is that in the last four or five years, uh, we've been uh, focusing uh, on building uh, a strong talent, talent pipeline. Uh, to replenish our te- technical ranks because uh, people, yes, are retiring and it's possible to retire in NITAC. And uh, um, we partnered in my organization, we partnered with uh, um, the academic network in Cadence. Uh, and, um, and we started establishing strong relationship with colleges, uh, in uh, especially in North America. And so that allowed us to uh, start uh, internships uh, that turned uh, very often uh, into stable job offers. That's great to hear all of that. Thank you. In the current environment, many jobs have had to go remote. How has that impacted your business? Well, first of all, compared to other industries, we're, lack- we're lucky because uh, we can work from home uh, and uh, we can. everybody's working remotely right now. Um, at the beginning, it, but it wasn't simple. At the beginning, uh, the focus was uh, on making sure that uh, the IT infrastructure that we had was solid enough uh, to withstand the brunt uh, of a, a large number of remote users. Uh, and so I was uh, involved in first person in collecting feedback. I was helped uh, by a couple of people uh, in uh, in my organization uh, on what people uh, needed. The 
the workload uh, that is much heavier than before uh, is more difficult to address because uh, uh, the same way we're working from home, our customers are working from home and people start working at very odd hours. Uh, and also, you know, it's not uh, even taking days off. Uh, nobody cares too much about it because uh, we're sort of a little bit confined uh, in our cities or our states. And so uh, the risk of burnout uh, is very high. So we, what we're doing, Cadence uh, uh, Corporate, but also within my organization, we try to be very flexible with days off, uh, but also additional uh, days were given. Uh, and we try to make it a little bit fun. So we get together virtually. Last week, I uh, actually had a virtual wine tasting with people in my staff. We did, uh, it was a, I think uh, uh, I lured them uh, into one hour of yoga with the promise of wine at the end. Uh, and so this is what we did. It was a lot of fun. Uh, and, uh, you know, we make sure to turn on uh, our, um, our cameras. Uh, but, you know, no matter how much you try to do, uh, some issues remain, especially with kids being uh, homeschooled right now or being in remote learning mode. Uh, and unfortunately, I think... Uh, People who are most impacted uh, are uh, um, women. And uh, I have to say, unfortunately, we had a resignation because uh, there was a person in my team uh, who couldn't do both, uh, meaning taking care of the kids as she had two young kids, as she couldn't do both. And so, unfortunately, that's uh, another way uh, we're hit uh, by the current situation. Yeah, definitely. How do you think others in the industry can create a more diverse, inclusive environment within their companies and teams? First of all, I think diversity is good. It's good, again, it's good for business, it's good for uh, innovation uh, and uh, for creativity. There's not, there nothing worse, I think, from that standpoint, that a very homogeneous environment uh, because uh, new ideas uh, are uh, hard to come about. Uh, so being a woman, uh, I very much focus on uh, gender diversity. And uh, I have to say, uh, it's not easy to, to actually find women in the first place, uh, place. It's a little bit better right now for um, new grads, because uh, if we look even at uh, the graduating class of Carnegie Mellon for the last couple of years, uh, has been a 50-50 split between uh, men and women. But nevertheless, uh, if when I, every time we post a job, the number of men is uh, much higher than uh, the number of, uh, of women. And uh, so more recently, uh, apart from, uh, you know, the the internship program. More recently, we tried something new. And so in my organization, we piloted what we call a returnship program. And so it's a 16-week training program uh, that exposes candidates uh, um, to daily interactions uh, with cross-functional teams, but also with customers. And at the same time, uh, uh, they get trained. So the criteria to apply is uh, having uh, taken uh, a pause from uh, 
the professional uh, life for at least three years. And although there was no differentiation uh, between uh, uh, men and women, in other words, uh, it wasn't just targeted at women, uh, we ended up having people who applied uh, were, uh, um, were women. So we had a few spots available at the beginning. And so we had the three people uh, who applied and were going through the program. Uh, and we have extended uh, our first job offers. So the returnship program has become really uh, a bridge uh, between uh, family life uh, and then coming back uh, to, to a working environment. But if you ask me if this is enough, I don't think it is. And I think companies uh, can do more than that and should start uh, um, helping uh, women in engineering much earlier than that. Because uh, what we see is that uh, uh, girls uh, in uh, primary school, they're still very much interested in science and technology. and then. Uh, by the end of middle school, beginning of high school, uh, there is a drop in the interest. And so there are a lot of uh, association that can be helped. And so we partnered uh, with Girls of Code. And so last uh, summer, we hosted a cohort uh, of high schoolers who had uh, sort of a summer uh, program. And so at the end, uh, of uh, the summer, they presented their projects. They were organizing groups and they had the possibility to present their projects uh, to our uh, high level management. Uh, and also they learned how to create a LinkedIn profile uh, and they posted their project on LinkedIn. Uh, it was, uh, I have to say, it was very uh, exciting for everyone involved. Yeah, I know a lot of our, our members really enjoy doing outreach with the next generation as well, trying to encourage that interest to continue for sure. Um, yes, and, uh, you know, even uh, uh, doing some uh, mentoring in uh, high schools. Uh, the, my daughter goes to a public school, uh, which is uh, very diverse uh, here. And uh, the school itself is organizing uh, mentoring programs uh, so that parents uh, can uh, can mentor some of the kids uh, and it's very rewarding I have to say and uh, something that I did uh, and I wish it was uh, more uh, available. Yeah, definitely. What kind of obstacles have you faced as a woman in engineering and how did you overcome them? Uh, so I would say that the biggest challenge uh, uh, that I faced uh, was tied to the skew in uh, representation uh, for women uh, in ITAC. It started in college uh, where 95% of the students uh, were men. And, uh, and even uh, uh, later, of course, in the technical ranks, uh, most of uh, the people uh, are uh, men. And, uh, and so, the, there is some pressure to conform uh, that comes uh, from the majority being skewed in one direction. I don't think it's unique uh, to gender in a high tech. I think it's more like uh, it happens every time there is an homogeneous environment and you stick out for any reason. Uh, there is some pressure. Uh, I 
have to say, in my case, the self-imposed pressure to conform. So, you know, being Italian, I tend to be very passionate about uh, what I believe in and about my ideas. And for a while, I was sort of conscious uh, in uh, not being too passionate because as a stereotype, uh, men who are passionate are leaders and women are, uh, you know, emotional and out of control. So I tried to tone down uh, what I was saying quite a bit. Uh, and that has changed <laughs> in the recent times, although, of course, uh, you know, we all try to maintain uh, a professional uh, behavior uh, at work. Uh, I believe in sharing passion as a way to motivate others. So sometimes I realize that I'm going on rants. And so I just make the point to stop and say, okay, I'm going to stop off of my soapbox and, you know, talk again normal, right? I think being Italian, there were also some cultural traits that were a little bit career limiting. And I heard other people referring to this as uh, the Chiara syndrome. I don't know if you ever heard about that. I haven't. So it's uh, the concept and the myth uh, that if you put your head down uh, and you do your job uh, and you put your best effort uh, and you just go all in, uh, somebody is going to come open the door of your office uh, and uh, put a tiara on your head as a recognition of everything that you did, even if you never left your office. And uh, what it's a sort of a, you are being saved from the masses and recognized. And, and there is nothing that is more wrong, meaning uh, um, networking, uh, making your ideas known, uh, uh, sharing the passion for what you do is uh, is very important. Uh, and so uh, we need to make uh, people around us uh, aware of the good things that we do, of course, without falling into a constant uh, self-promotion. Uh, finally, I have to say, yes. <laughs> I was yeah, a terrible I yeah, I recognize the the concept. I hadn't heard that name for it. So thank you for that. Yes, I, I think it's, uh, you know, it's sometimes we tend to be too quiet. That's I'm talking about women uh, and uh, and just think that our managers or people around us uh, re- will recognize uh, what we do. The last thing I want to say, and maybe you heard about this too, I was a terrible negotiator and I understand women in general, uh, they're not very good negotiators or better. They're very good when they need to negotiate for somebody else, uh, but they're not good when they need to negotiate uh, for uh, themselves. And I encountered this situation uh, and it's uh, very funny because uh, in uh, in my job, sometimes it happens uh, that people want uh, homos or they want uh, raises. And when women voice that, uh, the first thing they do, and I know I'm generalizing, okay, but there is uh, almost uh, an apologetic uh, uh, vibe when they ask for what they feel it's right for themselves. Uh, and uh, I found myself in very interesting conversation where I basically coach uh, people uh, on how to negotiate uh, against me 
and uh, it's kind of a surreal uh, situation uh, but uh, i'm you know happy to coach uh, and uh, and to help that's definitely great i know um it can be difficult as a working woman especially one in a leadership role to find a healthy work life balance what do you do to unwind and disconnect from your res- professional responsibilities so i think uh, again, going back to being a woman, I think we put a lot on ourselves also outside of work. And uh, so family life and work life uh, can be a challenge, and especially in this period, that was, as I was mentioning before. Um, I uh, have uh, a 17 years old daughter, so she's a senior and at a very odd time. And uh, um, sometimes it's, you know, difficult to have time together uh, just because teenagers, that's the way uh, they are. And I was. And, uh, yep. and so we make up. <laughs> I know. We, uh, every age has its own challenges, I guess. Uh, you know, little Indeed. toddler, there is a lot of physicality, but then it's more mentally challenging. Yeah, and so I we try to have a meal together a day. Doesn't always happen, but uh, you know we make the point. Uh, um, we're just three of us in the family plus the dog, and uh, and so we try to have a meal together every day. And typically it's at night because uh, uh, noon uh, before I was in the office or I was traveling, uh, and now anyway we all have meetings. So. Uh, I also try not to be too hard on myself if that doesn't happen. And in general, if things don't go the way I would like, the ideal way, uh, I'm also lucky because my husband, Michael, helps uh, quite a bit. uh, And I couldn't do what I do without him. Having said that, I don't want to give you the idea that it's a, you know, I live in a fairy tale because that's not the case. So uh, there, uh, we are two women uh, plus my husband. My husband is a uh, purebred American, but uh, there is uh, for sure Italian blood in me and Italian blood in my daughter. So uh, things can get really loud sometimes. And so uh, it can be a challenge. But also I remember when she was a toddler and, and so it was much more challenging from a physical standpoint, uh, my husband and I had the delusion of being able to do everything on our own. So we had no help outside of, uh, you know, daycare. So 5 p.m., it was uh, like in Cinderella, you know, uh, everything came to a stop. uh, And uh, there were times where I would leave uh, the office in a rush. My husband would pick up my daughter. She would pass my daughter to me like uh, a baton uh, and uh, and then he would go out uh, to meet with clients. Uh, it was very stressful. Uh, and then uh, uh, finally we came in uh, and we decided to get some, uh, some help, uh, not constant help, but maybe, you know, on and off uh, also after daycare hours. Uh, and so, and I think, you know, asking for help, uh, that's very important It uh, uh, to learn uh, how to ask uh, for help. 
But uh, in terms of uh, unwinding, our old family likes uh, traveling a lot. And more on the personal side, uh, 10 years ago, I started having uh, some interest in uh, yoga. Never tried it before. I didn't even know what it was. And so I started yoga and I just love it because it stretches not just my body, but also my brain. And so last year, I decided to take a 200 hours uh, uh, teacher training certification. So now I'm even a certified uh, uh, yoga instructor. And uh, when we still went to the office, uh, I used to teach uh, uh, at Cadence. So it was uh, kind of fun uh, to see people and to meet people uh, under totally under totally different circumstances. Yeah, definitely. I don't. I've never taken a yoga class from a vice president at my company. So <laughs> that's definitely. <laughs> have you tried the yoga? It's uh, I, something I that have. I, I love. Strongly recommend. I have, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I do like yoga. It definitely helps me feel better too. I um, I just haven't done it at work. So very cool. Yeah. <laughs> so if you could give any one piece of advice to current engineers who would like to move up the leadership ranks, what would it be? To treat uh, their career uh, as uh, they would with a technical problem, meaning uh, uh, there are strategies uh, that you can use. Uh, so guiding principles uh, in engineering uh, is the fact that uh, you apply rules, uh, you measure, and you correct. Uh, if you need to correct. And uh, I think the same principle can be applied uh, to careers. Uh, some luck uh, always uh, helps, uh, but uh, there are things that you can do. I talked about the need of networking and uh, knowing people uh, around you. Uh, I think that's essential. And of course, now it's even more of a challenge uh, because uh, we are not seeing each other in person. Uh, and uh, but that's uh, that's very important uh, and understanding uh, the priorities uh, of your company. But uh, you know, having a plan, I would say the same way you would have uh, if you're designing uh, something is uh, is very important. Uh, and also, we need to keep uh, uh, in mind that a successful career is not a straight. Uh, line or rarely it's a straight line we like to look back and say oh i did this and then that and then this happened because i had the plan so things that you might zigzag and sometimes uh, you know parallel moves uh, are even better than promotion because uh, they expose us to more than just uh, we are familiar with and uh, one last thing i want to say that uh, Given uh, the, the considerable amount of time uh, that we spend uh, at work, uh, we better do something that we like. For me, yes, STEM was a big thing, but uh, particularly I liked uh, the mentoring, uh, coaching part of uh, my job at the beginning, and that's why I just embraced uh, uh, management. And if things don't work out, uh, and uh, if your priorities uh, or even uh, your uh, beliefs don't align with the company you're working for, you, you should definitely change because it's a lot of time that you spend working. Definitely. I, I couldn't agree more. 
Alessandra, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today and providing some really valuable insight for our current and future engineers and leaders. It was my pleasure. I'm Heather Doty. For all of us at SWE, thanks for listening. 